I've been recording a lot of podcasts recently, um, and it's dope, right? But it's interesting and it's weird because I've been recording so many of them that I'm now having more conversations with strangers than I am with my own like friends and family. Well, first off, I say strangers because like every one of these people who come on the podcast have no fucking clue who I am. Like you can't you can't Google my name. I think maybe you can't. Rough paws will probably come up, but like I'm not a Googleable dude. I don't think I've never actually even Googled myself. I'm not going to start now, but you know, yeah. So people come on and you know, we're strangers, but I've been recording so many of them that I've been a lot of conversations and I woke up this morning, you know, it's been, the weather's been like dope in SF, you know, everyone's like in a good mood. Uh, and I woke up and I'm like, I, I, there's some people I just, who are important to me, good friends and I'm trying to I'd like to be more communicative Towards them uh, So I gave one of my friends a call And It, it was like a check in with him I wasn't expecting him to check in with me That's what wasn't what the call was about It was more about, I wanted to check in with him Not for a good reason or bad reason Simply just to Hear what someone else Close to me Has going on um, and it, I almost like treated the phone conversation, not like a podcast, but kind of, I guess I kind of did like the podcast has allowed me to let people or develop more of a skill to allow people to just speak and not interrupt them, which I've always had a tendency to do. Uh, and, uh, uh, let, let it unfold. Um, and it's amazing. It just, it blows my fucking mind every time. When people, you give people that opportunity to speak, um, you know, <laughs> what will come out of their mouth? Um, and it's always just a blast. And I'm stoked on it. And, you know, just check in with someone. You know, it doesn't have to be a good thing or a bad thing. But give someone a chance to talk. And yourself a chance to listen. And with that, listen to this next episode. And please give us a follow on Instagram at Writing Friction and on Twitter, Friction Writing. Uh, and as always, just tell people about the show. If you like books, if you know people who like books, if you know people who like to write, whoever the fuck, just tell them. Uh, we're doing something cool here. It seems to you know be picking up more and more every week. The guests, I mean, I've, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. I'm stoked. All right, cool, everyone. I will see you later. Peace. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool. 
Everyone say hello to Jill McCorkle. How are you, Jill? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. We were talking just before the podcast. You were surrounded by three great little dogs. <laughs> still, I, yeah, they're still here. Oh, yeah, and there was. Yeah, no, we were waiting for that. Yeah, they we, will behave. We were waiting for that. Uh, do the dogs hang out with you when you write? Yes, they are do. They, if, yeah, if yeah. Yeah, if they're staying quiet. Are you in your writing area right now? I am. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to look behind you at the bookshelf and see what was going on. I'm not a sure. A lot of junk. Well, well, yeah, but I was trying to see the books. Sometimes <laughs> I ask what books are behind people and you get interesting uh, answers. Uh, but I was just trying to see the spines. Anything worth talking about on the shelf? Oh, gosh. You know, I have I have sort of some recent reads and, and some anthologies I use for um, – you know, my, my writing classes, but then in this room, I just, I tend to have a lot of, um, I've got a lot of ghost story books, okay, mythology, <laughs> uh-huh. um, sort of random things that I often use in my work. Uh, so you're going back to reference those and you'll p- literally pick them up off the shelf and go back to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you always doing that? I mean, you have, you've written a lot of books at this point. Has that always kind of been your process from the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I'd love for there to be something, um, I don't know, of interest in my work. And then so so a lot of the books I have in here are books that I've used in various projects. Mm-hmm. So I have quite a few books over here on the Coconut Grove Fire and hieroglyphics. Um, those books are actually propping up my computer to get at the right height for this conversation. Uh-huh. You know, so, so usually I, I'm surrounded by the books of whatever the most recent project. One, one of my books years ago um, had had a lot of references to uh, pirates. Okay. There's a lot of history along the North Carolina coast. So I, I have a whole pirate section back here. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you know, through, we both have different accents. You have a pleasant accent and I have a, an accent from northern New Jersey, which is not as pleasant. Um, but I so see you were born and raised in North Carolina, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, has that influenced your work tremendously? Are you an author who really, I mean, you write about North Carolina pretty often. Has it always been the case? I mean, is it a place that you just have always held on to? Have you ever left North Carolina? Oh, yeah. I lived in the Boston area for 20 years. Oh, okay. Wow. My kids grew up um, in the Boston area. Mm -hmm. But you you started your writing career in North Carolina or no? Yes, because I I grew up here. I went to school here. um, and, uh, And then I came back about... 12 years ago, no, longer, 14 years ago. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning then. Um, You remember those first pages you started writing? Ever? Oh, yeah. Ever? Oh, you know, I wrote as a kid. Okay. What were you writing and what were you into? (laughs) Some very bad um, poetry. And, uh, you know, I think as a kid, the whole motivation was, um, the great discovery that I could make myself laugh, I could make myself cry, I could scare myself. So it, it was this whole power of um, 
the imagination and the ability to manipulate emotion. And, and so I think that was my earliest connection. And then the realization that you could sometimes take whatever you had come up with and have the same effect on others. Um, so it was just something I did growing up that I really loved. I didn't take it seriously. I mean, I, I had no idea that you could grow up to um, actually spend your life doing something you love. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it was as an undergraduate in college, I started taking classes and, and really was hooked then. Is that when you kind of started to take it a little more seriously? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, I grew up in a small southern town where basically the writers I knew of were dead, mm. you know, which is not what you aspire to as a kid. Um, so, so to get to college and actually see uh, relatively um, somewhat well-respected grown-ups whose whole lives were spent um, reading and writing and talking about stories. I mean, it was like all the doors blew open, you know, and I thought, whoa, that is really what I would love to do. And were you writing, I mean, you know, you've written novels and you've written many collections of short stories. Do you remember what you kind of started writing off in the beginning? Were you writing story, short stories, or were you? I was writing, I was, I was writing stories. Um, but I, I was always that person, you know, in workshop where somebody would say, well, you know, this feels like part of something much bigger, you know? So I was sort of, um, in those early years, always on my way to the longer form. Mm-hmm. And and I think if I had to say what, what comes most easily, um, it is the novel for me. Um, but I love the short story form and, and find it to be quite, quite a cha- more of a challenge. I agree. For me. <laughs> and, um, but, but it's what I always come back to between novels because I love reading stories and I, um, I love teaching stories. I mean, I, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm a relatively new writer and you know, I've been touring in bands forever and I started writing, I started taking it seriously three or four years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't go to school for writing. I never took a creative writing class. But I've been reading books since I can open my eyes, right? Um, that being said, I made the idea, I'm like, all right, let me start writing short stories. Looking back three years later, I don't know if that was the best idea. Because like you said, it's very difficult. Um, you know, the idea of having less but needing more um, right. is, is hard to, you know, it's hard to kind of grasp. And if you're new to the whole art form, I agree. Short stories are not easy to do. Um, and then I wrote a, a boxing novella, but uh, so I'm like inching my way up towards the, you know, the full form thing. Um, so you're, were you out of college when you kind of started getting it a little more seriously when you were writing these stories? And when did you kind of take a crack at that first novel? Oh, well, I I went to grad school right after undergrad, um, and I went to Hollins College, which at the time, it was a master's, but, um, you know, very much set up like any MFA these days, and and there were very few MFA programs at that time, and and so that's where my 
my first novel really started taking shape. And I, you know, my thesis there is a novel that I never published, um, but it led to the beginning of what then was my first novel. And, and what was the name of that first book? The Cheerleader. The Cheerleader. I had two novels come out at the same time. Did you write them at the same time? Well, no, I wrote The Cheerleader and Algonquin Books was just getting started. And they accepted it, but it was going to be two years. And then I had the other one going and finished it. And they they decided to bring them out together. Would a so publisher that was my beginning. Would a publisher do that in 2020? I don't know. I don't know. That's Release. that's a good that's a good question. I mean, certainly it was um it was pretty scary at the time to have novel one and two come yeah. out together because uh yikes, you know. I can't think of any other author who's actually if, if one takes a dive, you've got another one on the back burner. But to have two, um, but actually it worked to my advantage because you know, people were interested in this small new house. And uh, and it also gave reviewers sort of something to compare and talk about mm-hmm. because the, the two books were really very different. Well, the, the first one, um, very focused first person. And then the second one was the scope of a whole town with a lot mm-hmm. of different characters, which um, which probably is where I most like to be. You know, I like the feel of a community. Now, when you stage. when you finish, or you know, when you had a grasp of those two novels, or when they were kind of coming to their finish, did you actively pursue an agent trying to get these published? I mean, how, how, what's the story behind getting published the first time? Um, I had an early agent based on um, a couple of short stories. Okay, and uh, so that was in place. My my first published work other than like the small literary magazine where I was an undergrad uh, here in Chapel Hill. Um, My first published story was in Seventeen Magazine. Very cool. So now I'll ask this question. So these two books are out. What happens next? You know, I ask authors, you know, some people think life changes overnight. Um, it tends to not be that way. Um, are you the kind of person who, are you working immediately on that next book? Are you always, always. always. Okay. So right, So now we're on the same page. I don't let, I don't let go of work Ever. unless there's new work. Uh-huh. Oh, wait. So, so explain that a, a little more. So you're saying you're not going to dive into that. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Like I don't let go of a project until I have the other idea of what's next sort of, I mean, almost always an idea comes up while I'm working on something and it's not part of the news. So you Mm -hmm. sort of put it on the back burner. Um, And it makes it much easier to let go of a project when you feel satisfied. Yeah, and now I'm picturing kind of like a DJ spinning tracks. Like the DJ's getting the next track ready while the other tracks, mm-hmm, and you're fading them in and out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find I'm the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of 
constantly working on different things. I try not to expand it too much. And I always say like the Danielle Steele kind of thing where she's working on like 18 books at the same time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but no, that that's great to hear because I talk to some authors and it's just, you know, it's one book. That's it. Right. Needs to be done. When it's done, then it's the, and it, it, yeah, to me, that's so stifling because we were talking before the podcast, you know, I walk, I, I have a dog walking business. I'm alone in the woods all day with dogs and ideas are constantly pop all the time. I, mean, oh, I, I have 30 books in my head and <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's finding what, you know, discipline. I talk a lot about that. Um, you know, I'm the kind of person, you know, who I write every day at the same time, you know, it's like showing up for work. Um, I know some authors are kind of, you know, I don't have to write today. And that's, that's great. That's awesome. Um, are you the, per do you write every day? Are you always at the computer typing away? Um, I'm not always at the computer. A lot of times I'm, I'm, um, out with my own dogs. <laughs> okay, most definitely. So, um, you know, I but but I I feel like the work is always happening. You know, so it's it's not. I think one of the greatest moments for me as a writer is when I realized it's it it wasn't like a faucet that was either on or off. It's a good steady drip, you know, all day long, and then sort of storing up for those times when you're really gonna. Um, you know, I, I like to have a, a good three to five hour stretch where I can just really sit down and focus. So, um, on a busy day or a day when I'm teaching, um, my work might consist more of note taking or going back over notes that I already have and moving, moving parts around, um, and I like that, that part of the process. And I, you know, I always tell my students, I think you get credit for that part of the process. I think you get credit for all that time that you're at the grocery store or in the woods, walking dogs or whatever you're doing. Um, and you're, you're, you know, a lot of times I feel like I'm doing a first draft, you know, and doing some revision before I ever sit down and, and start working. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So with that idea in mind, you have these two novels out. You're, what, I'm not sure what's going on in your life at that time, but it sounds like you're a fairly disciplined person. You're working with the next idea. What's the process going forward? You're like, now I have, you know, did you feel confident going into the next piece of work, having those two books out? Were you kind of like, oh shit, like, what do I do now? Yeah, no, no, I, I felt pretty confident. I, I think I'm most comfortable and confident when I'm right in the middle of a work, you know, um, and it feels it feels kind of secretive and protected and removed from everything else, you know. And I think, you know, we're always, I, I, I think I'm an optimist in life, you know, so I'm always thinking, oh, well, this, this is going to be my best one yet, you know, so... Um, you know, so you can keep telling yourself that whether it's true or not for about three years. Um, so that's not a bad place to be. Does it take you about three years to finish a novel? It varies. Um, but, I, but, you know, I think it depends on what else is going on in life. I, I would say, you know, I tend to 
go like three to four years. I mean, when my last novel came out, all these reviews kept saying, you know, I hadn't had a no- I hadn't had a book or a novel in 16 years. Um, but I had written a lot of short stories and um, a lot of essays, and I had teenagers. I got divorced. I moved, made a major move, started a new major job, uh-huh. remarried. <laughs> you know, a, a, um, significant changes in my mother's life. You know, and she has dementia. So it's not like I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs, um, mm-hmm. doing nothing. And and I think the whole time, taking notes. And um, as I say, you know, I. I love the time I I spend with stories. Um, so for me, that was very satisfying. Um, so, so when you made, I guess, the move from North Carolina to Boston, um, you know, regardless of what's going on in your personal life, did it kind of affect your writing style, your writing technique, being in a different city, being in a different place? Oh, I think I think so. I mean, I think it was. I think the move to Boston at all those years there was really a wonderful experience for me as a writer and and in my new novel you know there's a a lot of it is focused on the boston area uh my mother's twin sister lives in boston so i've an ex-girlfriend of mine went to northeastern so i spent a lot of time in boston i know that city well but I, i gotta be honest now that i think about it i can't think of many boston authors books about Boston, like fictional. I can't, people write about Massachusetts, but yeah, no, I I don't, can can you think of anything that's like Boston specific? I can't really think of anything. Um, yeah, you know, um, (laughs) I could list a bunch of New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco books off the top of my head, but nothing about Boston. That just came to me right now. I don't know why. Uh, but I do love Mike's pastries in, in, uh, the North end. (laughs) It's a great city. It's an interesting city for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I before we were doing the podcast, I was doing a little bit of research. I got to admit, um, reading through your stuff, I had to Google this name. I didn't actually even know him, but you won a prize. And if I'm going to – if I mispronounce the name, let me know. John Dos Passos? Uh-huh. You won that prize. I had to Google him. I didn't know who he was. Now I'm blown away. I actually just ordered two of his books. Have you ever read any of his books? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever read any of his books? I have. It's it's been a while. Uh Uh, So you've also written for other publications besides just novels and things like that. Do you approach writing for, you know, you've written, you know, the New York Times, Book Review, Washington Post. Do you approach those things differently than you do long form fiction, even in just how you do the work itself. You mean, you mean like when I'm writing a review or, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that feels more like an assignment. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you get joy out of it? Or, I mean, are you able to split your personality to kind of be that kind of writer? Is it easy for you to do? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I sort of, I, I, I sort of put that um, on the same channel, um, you know, with with my teaching, mm-hmm. you know, because I I spend a lot of time reading and and um, editing and making suggestions on someone else's work. 
um, which is a very different place mm-hmm. from um, being in, you know, your own created world. I've asked this before from some other teachers and authors that I've spoken with, and I've gotten different responses. Um, do you get inspiration from your students? I do. Uh-huh. I, do. I mean, even the bad writing? Well, I think I think that the ongoing discussion about writing is very helpful to me. Um, you know, sometimes I think we we all uh, just having that conversation and saying something out loud sometimes brings clarity. Uh, or it's much easier. I always tell my students that what's so important about workshop is you stand to learn far more from the discussion of someone else's work than the discussion of your own work, because we all sort of, you know, don't, don't want to hear the criticism or, or that's all you hear, you know, um, you, you don't hear all the good parts because you're so focused on um, this one thing that someone took issue with. And, um, and and yet when you're looking at someone else's work, taking it apart, looking at how it's put together, it's just much easier to see. Are you still do you still workshop your material to this day? Do I? Yeah, I mean, are you sending it out to friends and people before you kind of Yeah, I do I do. I have um I usually send it to a couple of couple of readers or um you know, I think if you have three readers out there you trust and any two stumble in the same place, then you've got a you've got a problem. I mean, if these are people whose opinions you really trust. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, it's kind of, you know, the doubt is continually talked about on this podcast of having that doubt, but also having, you know, the self-assurance and to give it out to people and trust their opinion as well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I get stuck in my own head of, you know, this is every day and this is the worst piece of shit I've ever written in my life, but you have to kind of keep going forward. But I mean, you know, being this, you know, much into the game for you, or do you still deal with any of that kind of doubt anymore? I mean, are you still, or are you kind of just, I got this shit, this is how I do it. No, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it would make me nervous if I ever, um, felt like I didn't need, um, that naked eye from elsewhere because, um, you know, especially when, when you're writing something, you have in mind the suspense that's being driven. But when you know the outcome, it's sometimes really hard to know how your little clues and the seeds you're planting along the way are affecting other people. So I'm most interested when I solicit readers, you know, I will then often have questions for them. Like, did you ever even, did you, did it occur to you that this might happen later Mm. in the novel? Or when did you start to realize X, Y, or Z? And so that's very helpful to me as a writer um, to know if what I was planning worked. Um, I mean, I think the bottom line is we all have ideas that we put on the page hoping our readers will see, and very often they don't, you know. But it's still um, important to me that it's there, you know, and I think you just have to realize that 
um, different people might read it in different ways. And if it works for them, um, then that's that's a positive. And, re- and did you kind of get that vibe in your newest book when you sent it out? I mean, was it kind of just you were asking those same questions and you were getting responses you wanted to Yeah, hear? yeah, uh, definitely. And the new book is Hieroglyphics, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little, little bit about it? Yeah, it's um, it's it focuses on four point of view characters, and they're sort of all dealing with loss of some kind or another. The the elderly couple, they've just retired from Boston to North Carolina, and each of them lost a parent um, in childhood. Two real catastrophic events. her mother basically went to the Coconut Grove nightclub without telling anyone um, and and died in that horrific fire. And his father was on a train um, returning to New England and um, was in a derailment crash in my native North Carolina county. Mm. And, and so um, they shared that experience. And then there's a young single mother, Shelly, who works as a court stenographer. And she's basically running from everything in her past. And her little boy, Harvey's struggling and, um, you know, sort of dealing with the loss of his dad who has left. So, so I've got him at all ages, but sort of experiencing something um, similar emotion, very different ways. And per what you were saying, this idea came into your head when you were working on something else. I mean, yeah. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, so yeah, the idea that we can create whole other universes while being stuck in another universe and still be able to kind of, you know, it's important for people to hear that, to be able to be, you know, it doesn't just have to be one singular thing. Um, I think I mean, that's super, it just, it helps your ego. It helps, you know, so many things to kind of just be able to, and step out somewhere else. Exactly. Um, yeah. Jill, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I always ask at the end, um, if you can, give a shout out to uh, your favorite bookstore. Where are people going to buy your books from? Oh, that's great. Well, I, I just love the independent booksellers across this country. Um, my local ones would be uh, Flyleaf Books in Chapel Hill. Uh, Quail Ridge Books in Raleigh, McIntyre's Books, um, Farrington Village here awesome. in North Carolina. Yeah. The, Any, Purple, uh, the Purple Crow, which is this wonderful little, it's kind of like the shop around the corner here in Hillsboro, North Carolina. Um, Any uh, Boston but, shout outs? Oh, absolutely. Brookline Booksmith and Newtonville Books and oh, yeah. the Harvard Bookstore. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You ever shut? You, you've been to Newberry Comics, right? I love Newberry oh, yeah. Comics. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. We love it. Absolutely. All. The Framingham as well as uh, there in the city. Most Newberry. definitely. And are, are you, you do social media? Or are you on Twitter or Facebook? Any of that stuff? I'm Instagram? Okay. I, I, I don't. I I'm not on Twitter. Okay. Okay. And people people can get into. They can find out whatever you want. They want from you. Website, all that stuff, right? 
Absolutely. Awesome. The website's probably cool. the best. All right. Well, Jill, thanks so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. It looks like it's sunny awesome. outside. Thank you, Michael. I've loved meeting you. And Most I'm- definitely. All right. And, and give those three dogs a, a, a good pet for me, please. Oh, I will. Two Bernese and a Labradoodle. And I got a mini bulldog who's, I can hear, ready to get oh, out. so cute. So cute. What's her name? Reba. Oh, that's cute. After mm-hmm. Reba McIntyre? Uh, no, but that's now the curse that I have for naming her Reba. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's actually a song, uh, I, I, the, you see the posters behind me. I'm a big fan of this band called Fish and, uh, they have a song called Reba. I know Fish. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you're talking to a guy who's seen Fish a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. So has and- my nephew. My nephew, and I think my son has a couple of times. I'm trying to think if I've seen them in North Carolina. I don't know if I have. You fish people have been everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. All right, people on the podcast don't want to hear about fish. All right, Jill, this is an absolute (laughs) pleasure. Thanks again so much. Well, listen, thank you, Michael. A pleasure to meet you. Yes, enjoy the rest of the day. You too. All right, bye-bye. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool. Everyone say hello to Chrissy Van Meter. How are you, Chrissy? Hi, I'm well. How are you? Not too bad. We were discussing before uh, you're in the middle of a move, hence the Elvis uh, Warhol behind you. On the floor. On the floor. I mean, is it going to go on the wall behind you? (laughs) I mean, eventually. I don't know. I kind of like it, actually. I might just Uh leave it. I don't Uh know want to put holes in the wall either i feel like that's a pain in the ass it's interesting when we move where things end up right like you could see behind me two posters and a guitar i mean you know when i moved into this new apartment a couple months ago it didn't that's not where that was um oh a couple months okay yeah, no, I moved. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking in what? It's January 2021, right? I think, right? Who fucking knows? Um, but yeah, I moved, but I moved to SF from Jersey. We were talking before. Um, I moved here nine, 10 years ago to play in a band. Um, okay. But you're in a Los Angeles gal, right? Yeah. I'm Born from, and raised. Um, yeah, so my grandfather grew up on Sautel, which is in like Santa Monica, West LA. And then in the 50s, my grandparents moved to. North Orange County, right off the five, so like 15 miles from downtown LA. So I grew up in Fullerton. Uh, it's actually right next to Disneyland. So yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. So between I, LA and Orange County. I've toured in bands for a long time and I've been in okay. LA a bunch, but there's a club in Fullerton. Uh, now the 55, there's a five in it. Uh, it'll I have come not to me. I've been, been back there in a really long time. I okay. know that I graduated high school in 2002, so I have not been to any of the because there's cal state fullerton there so there's like cool yeah. clubs and stuff yeah. now but i i never did any of that there so were you were you writing back then yeah i was writing like um really shitty rhyming poetry uh-huh. like in high school yeah. um i just recently found all those notebooks and they're Brutal. just i mean like literally rhyming like about trees yes and bees and just yeah. bad things but yeah, yeah i guess i was writing i don't think i thought of myself as a writer but i was writing were you going to school for any kind of creative writing? I mean, what were you doing in college? Where, where did you go to college? What did you do? Yeah, so I barely graduated high school. Okay, same here. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'll, Thanks, I'll Algebra 2. Algebra 2. I don't even think I passed Algebra 2. Algebra two. Um, and then after high school, um, I went to community college in yep. Newport Beach for okay. two years. And then... <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. So I just partied. And then Beach. the way I went to university was I got a full ride athletic scholarship and then ended up at San Diego state. Um, and I, I studied English. So I was like, that was like in my head, but I didn't even know like what an MFA was until I think like my senior year of college, my teacher was like, Hey, you should like think about writing. And I was like, okay. And I did what? eventually end up getting an MFA in um, New York city at the new school. Um, I moved out there though for work. And then I just went to the new school cause it was like super close to my office and just did the MFA there. So I have an MFA. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we'll get to all that for sure. I want to ask, um, you said athletics, what kind of, what kind of oh. athletics? Yeah. So I was on the crew team. So rowing oh, okay. really tall. So it was just like super easy to get a scholarship. They basically uh-huh. teach you how to row. I didn't know how to do that. And I met the coach and she's like, Oh my God, you're so tall. Like you should try this. And she's like, there's scholarships available. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try this. So yeah. that's what I did for four years of my life. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm a chubby, shorter Jewish guy from New Jersey. <laughs> so like to me, you know, the sports I had available were skateboarding and playing like punk rock music. So that's kind yeah. of what I did. Um, I, but there weren't any scholarships for that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, huh? There should be. I mean, at this point, who fucking knows? But um, so you said you mentioned MFA. We've talked to some authors. You know, they they have their MFAs. We talked to some authors. They can't even spell MFA. Yeah. Um, what was your route through that? I mean, you know, you said you were yeah. in New York City. Was it your first time in New York when you moved there? Had you ever been there before? No, I had been there uh, one weekend to visit a friend in Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. That's where sure. I ended up moving to Bay okay, Ridge. Okay. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, I started out out of college as like a sports journalist. So I actually ended up moving to New York city to cover surfing and skateboarding and snowboarding for ESPN. So wait, hold on. Wait a second. That. You moved from the epicenter of skateboarding, <laughs> yeah. literally the epicenter to yeah. where you can only skate for a couple of months at who were you writing for? Um, ESPN. So they oh, had okay, X okay. games. And at the time, I think when I went there it was called EXPN and then we changed it to like ESPN action sports and now it's just solely X games. That so, was going to be my question. What era of, you know, action all, sports? All of them. I actually, well, if you're a skateboarder, you'll know this. I started working for a four on one VM. That's what yeah, I Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, so I, I skated as a kid, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah so I'm so, sorry. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. So I just, I, I moved out there for work to Bay Ridge <laughs> and then we ended up moving to downtown Brooklyn. Um, but I had never really been to New York. Um, but I got the job and I said, fuck it. And I went. And so while I was out there, um, I decided to apply to MFAs and I applied to NYU and the new school because they were closest to my office and I got into the new school. So I went and um, I, I don't know. I think, you know, everybody has such, I feel like strong opinions about the MFA. I don't really have one. I think it was like a cool experience, but I was working yeah. full time. I wasn't that involved. Um, I met some cool people. But I don't know. I don't. I don't have one way feeling one way or the other. I know that it's like a, for some reason some sort of controversial topic for people. But yeah, and I I didn't know that. I mean, I don't have one, right? I, I came <laughs> to writing at the age of thirty because I was touring in bands forever, and yeah. you know, I started writing in my free time, and it was something I, you know. But I've always been a big reader. But the MFA thing before I started this podcast, I I didn't even think it was just you. you yeah. But man, holy shit! People have some honest opinions about it. That have, they, yeah. I mean. They, they certainly vocalize. Um, I, I won't name any specific names of people who've been on the podcast before. You can go listen to them. But yeah, um, that's an interesting thing. And it's an interesting thing that you bring that up. I mean, looking back on it now, some authors have talked about it where they thought that maybe it might have actually hindered them in mm. the beginning of their career. Since you just released your first book, 
talk about that. I mean, do you think it helped you become a better writer? I mean, you know, was it, you know, where do you sit now having that degree? Um, so I guess this is a, I don't know. I, I think um, one thing I've heard from agents and like I did the cold calling agent thing. So I got, to yeah, we'll, we'll get to that different. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so weird. Um, but I certainly think that the MFA, especially if it's paid for, that's one thing I would say with any school at this point now, like go to school if it's paid for, otherwise like don't fucking do it. But um, I think the MFA gives you like a sense of confidence, you know, like you, it's kind of hard to like, like all you need to be a writer is just to write. So it kind of gives you like a level of confidence. I think the community part's pretty cool, but I think um, agents, certainly if you have a really good MFA, I think take you very seriously. And, you know, you're kind of in like a cohort of special people. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've always just my life been somewhere right in the middle, like floating along. So I don't know if for me, it was um, like some big factor. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, well I don't cause I don't have an MFA. Right. So, but I'm going to ask you the questions about it and things like that. I mean, you know, again, I, people are going to, they get pissed off every time I talk about it coming from the music world, the music world and the publishing world run parallel businesses in my mind, how they, how they go about releasing products, how they, sure. you know, all these things. Yeah. That's another conversation. Um, but that being said with that, you know, you're still, you're, like you said, you're cold calling agents. I mean, bands yeah. are cold calling, you know, A&R reps. It used to be like that when you were writing. I mean, you know, first off your first new novel, it's called creatures, but when you were writing it, I mean, was that the idea you had in mind? I mean, were you, you wanted to finish this book and you were just going to go spearhead that campaign? Oh, no. I mean, I think actually, I certainly think in terms of like making art and you could this translate to like any art, you obviously want to get paid, but at the root of it, that's not why you're doing it. And I think if you focus on that, you're going to make really bad shit. So, um, I mean, because I had the MFA, I knew already sort of the process and structure. I think that's another thing an MFA gives you. Like you kind of see how it happens because you have professors or, you know, it's just kind of part of the deal. So you sort of know a little bit more about publishing the industry itself than maybe you would if you were just Googling it and looking at blogs. But no, I think when I started the book, I did it for me and I just had to do it and I wanted to do it. And then it became bigger and bigger. And I felt more serious about it over time. And um, I kind of knew eventually that I would, that would be the piece I would send out to agents, but I had, I had no expectations. I mean, I'm making myself sound really bad here. I feel like I have no expectations for anything. So I just kind of was like, whatever I did this thing and like, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I, my first book came out in February and, you know, three weeks before the world shut down and yeah. I got 73 rejections. Um, yeah. Janet Fitch talked about having a wall that she paper macheed full Ooh. of rejections. Uh, did you have to deal with any of that or was it kind of, I mean, you know, um, so actually my story is kind of unique in this way. I think, I think because I held onto my book alone for so what, long and I, when did you start writing it? I think it took me all together. I don't know, like three years. So not uh, that long, the book, the book is actually kind of a slim novel. So it wasn't, it's not like some epic of course, proportion yeah. of thing, but, um, I think I didn't really share it with anyone, not even agents, not even really friends or anything. Maybe a few here and there. So I really made it exactly how I wanted. So I certainly got rejections um, from agents. Um, but then when I started having the conversation with agents, um, when I when I did sign with my agent, we did kind of minimal editing because I had spent so long. I mean, I yeah. probably could have done this a lot sooner, but I just- How many crazy. drafts did you do? I don't know. 
well, I write in like weird small sections and actually my book is in a whole bunch of small, tiny chapters and skips around in time. So I wrote sections of it over time. Um, and I'd say the, more, the drafting for me is more of like a puzzle, putting together a puzzle, especially because of the, the form I was working with. Um, I don't know, I guess like three huge drafts and then like a whole bunch of tiny puzzle pieces uh-huh. in, in terms of that. And then we did one edit with my agent and then we sold it, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, did you have that style about in your mind when you first started, you wanted to book the book to be that way? No. Um, so my book is uh, kind of based on um, my own life a little bit as all cliche debut novels are. Right. I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm, um, I wrote a novella. I'm, I'm right. I'm, fi- I'm just about to be finished with my debut novel. So yeah, but it's about a rock and roll band. There you go. And, yeah. And, yeah. So I, I was very cognizant yeah. of being, you know, you have to be careful about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing, but I think when I set out to write it um, at the time, I was thinking a lot about grief. I had lost my dad and in the, in the book, a woman, a girl loses her dad. And so um, I kind of started with those pieces. And then as I kept, it, it felt like more building where like I would get a draft and it was like one kind of flat layer. And then I was like, there needs to be more here. And so I kind of kept building and adding and then kind of came up with the structure and all the layers of time and things um, toward the end. But no, certainly when I started, I didn't, I, even now on projects I work on, I don't, I never know where it's going. I really envy people that like outline and all of that. Do you know a lot of authors? I mean, through this podcast, I haven't met many that do that. It seems like they all have no clue what they're doing when they first start a project. I think when I, I have to say, when you first start a project, especially if, you know, thinking about the way art works in our subconscious and our, and our mind, I think it'd be impossible to say, um, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And even if it is, I think it changes just organically over time as you're doing it. Um, but I, I certainly know people that um, as they kind of get going, start outlining and keeping track and mm-hmm. you know i feel like a total hot mess because my shit's like splayed all over the floor i'm like uh-huh. piecing it together and printing it out so um i think there are more organized people than me and um certainly at least at least further along in the process i think that's i don't know maybe a good thing uh-huh. <laughs> well what was your routine like when you were writing for those three years i mean were you working full-time were you teaching what were you doing yeah, so I've been I was working full time as a journalist. Um, and I would go to my horrible shitty media job and I would open an email and pretend I was drafting an email to like a coworker, but I was just writing like chapter notes and like chapters. So I wrote um all of the I have I I wrote that entire novel while I was working full time. I don't know. So I didn't have a routine. So it's actually weird now because now I work from home. I mean, we all do, but now I just freelance and I don't work full time anymore in that capacity. And I work on like other sort of creative projects and I teach on the side. So, um, I wish I had a routine. I'd keep trying to make one, but I don't, I just like suck at that really. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm a whack job. I'm like obsessed with my routine, you know? Oh, that's great in a way right i mean you know to my dating life it's been awful but for you know routine things like that yeah. it's just for me it's like i'm always the dude like from seven to eight i know if i can get that shit done before work like i own a dog yeah. walking business and oh, it allows cool. yeah and it allows me we were show, everyone knows reba reba's chewing on a bone somewhere there she is reba. Right there. um and yeah, yeah so that has allowed me to kind of create a routine but yeah i mean you know i, I find times where i have to you have to fucking write when you're doing laundry um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, 
I'm not one for motivation to kind of hit me and wait for it to happen. Um, but I'm also working on three things at once. You work on one oh. thing at a time. <laughs> you are like the person I want to be. No, I, it's very hard for me to keep a schedule. I absolutely write when inspiration strikes. It often happens. We're off for like a week straight. I'll just write at night, like all night. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's like crazy. I'm person. the total opposite. I love this. This is great. But you're yeah. you're able to just like, I mean, are, are you distracted easily by phones and things like that? I mean, you know, no, you could turn that stuff off. Yeah. Well, I'm an only child and I spent most of my life alone because I have like crazy parents. So yeah. I feel like I am, I mean, you like quarantine has not really been that hard for me because yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of used to this. Um, I mean, I also live with my husband, so I'm not alone all the time, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty able to like hone in on something. I think the, the bigger issue for me is like, there will be sometimes, I mean, long stretches where I can't do shit. And then I'm just like, Oh, I feel anxious and terrible about myself and hate myself. And it's like this self-loathing sort of you know, well, cycle. Well, with the journalist job and, you know, writing about, you know, skateboarding, things like that. I mean, you, you had to write, I mean, you couldn't wait for inspiration to come find you. Right. Yeah. But that's such different writing. I think, exactly. yes, I think, and I worked as an editor. That's what I did for so long. And I uh -huh. actually think now all the, I worked as an editor for about 10 years. And I think that's been really, really helpful because that's the discipline, right? It's like, yeah. if you're putting out five stories a day, yeah. either your own or other people's and there's deadlines. So like, I know I can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that was like a good training for my, my brain. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, like to me, I know if I, if I had, if I put it off, the yeah. procrastination, the anxiety, the Jewish guilt will just dry. It'll, it'll eat me away and I won't be able to do it. But it's you know, but that's what makes the world go around. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so you sold the novel. Um, it came out. I mean, you know, a couple of quick questions I asked with debut novelists. You know, mm. do you remember that first reading that you did? I mean, were you ever reading out before? Like in, in school, were you doing that part of your MFA? I never program? did it. I was really bad at the new school because I was working full time, so I was so tired. So I like never yeah. went, and I traveled a ton for work. Yeah. Um. So I never like. I didn't participate as much as I wanted to. And I don't like reading. I actually get really nervous. Now I don't as much because of teaching. So it's like yeah, fine. Yeah. But um, my book came out January 7th, 2020. So I had like a full month of like cool book yeah. tour. Which I was, was like on the website. You were like on a little tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. But then, yeah. you know, kind of abruptly, of course, came to a halt. But um, yeah, my first reading was in LA and it was just like my friends. So that was yeah. like so chill. Um, yeah. And then the, the book tour is like exactly what everyone says. Like some places, tons of people show up. Some places like four people show up. And yeah. yeah. It's like super weird. It's like playing um, in a band. Yeah, totally. It's like, you know, I guess I'm just, I'm like grateful either way. So like, it was just cool to have the experience, especially since this year or last year, all the books, as you know, that came out, it's just like sucked for everybody. Like just sucked. Hands down <laughs> sucked. So I got a little taste of it, but yeah, readings are okay. Uh, I feel indifferent. Yeah. Still. Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking, you know, people are going to listen to this two, three years from now and you know, probably, but the thing is just like, <laughs> we're talking at a time where it's just, you know, yeah. literally fucking stuck on our head. We can't do anything. Um, yeah, yeah I was so able weird. to, do, I was able to do one reading and I, it was like the end of February. It was when people were bumping elbows, um, you know, and like, People showed up. People didn't show up, and yeah. You know, Where was the reading? Uh, oh, I was um in um like a dope, ca like a jazz venue down. Have you been in San Francisco? 
Yeah. Yeah. Down in the mission. Um, I, I booked it, you know, I did it all myself. Um, I was looking That's at your cool. website. You were at uh well, I'm, I'm wearing their shirt. Coincidentally, were you at green apple? Did you read? They have a black flag, green apple shirt. That's they have the so best. Cool. They have the best merch there. I yeah. noticed that. I was like, is that a green apple book? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I went there. That was actually a really weird event for me. Um, because that was the most random. I ended up having like some random family members come that were asking like personal questions <laughs> during the Q and A, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I had like, um, just like random people I didn't know. Like yeah. I think that was my second stop. So like it was just a totally new. That was like the first time I went somewhere where I didn't know people. So it was like a really. I love that bookstore though. Yeah. Great. Yeah, no, green apples, dope. So what are you working on right now? I mean, are you doing anything right now? I mean, do you, <laughs> do you even have another book in you? Do you give a shit? Are you, are you uh, one and done? No, I'm not one and done. I'm uh, working on some pretty cool TV and film stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you talk, can you um, talk about that? With, I mean, you don't have to tell about what you're working on specifically, but you, can you talk a little bit about the difference between writing for film and TV as yeah. opposed to a novel? Yeah, um, totally a different flex i think yeah. it's a nice break from from writing the novel and originally when i started writing college and like playing around with it it was screenwriting that i started with because i'm like a crazy movie tv was that growing person. up in la you think had anything to do with that or no, no i think it was because no? i was alone all the time and okay. i watched tv yeah. for hours a day i still watch like a ton of tv it's like yeah. my life and when i meet people who are like not into that i'm just like i don't trust you uh-huh weird um but it is it's a different muscle and i think I, I am working on a novel, but really slowly. And I think um, writing the TV and film stuff is in a way, cause it's all plot driven. I don't like to write a lot of plot in my literary fiction. So it's a kind of nice change. And it's like, you're using a different muscle and you're focusing on like dialogue and, and actually being in scene. And it's actually pretty fun, but I don't, I don't, I think the combo of being able to also come back to the novel and sort of go into your subconscious and crazy brain is, is also kind of fun too. Yeah. Uh, we talked to Mark Lehner. I don't, you probably don't know who he is, but uh, he's been, you know, he does, he's does everything, but he did a couple of movies with like John Cusack and things like that mm -hmm. and worked with him and wrote some scripts for that. And he was saying, he was just like, nowadays it's almost just like you just type a sentence in a program <laughs> and it just, it, yeah. fucking, it spits it out for you. Like you have a yeah. whole, Pretty much. I mean, in another world, long time ago, I was in New York City working, um, doing the audio stuff for film and television. That's so I was cool. doing, yeah, I was doing like editing audio sound effects. I did that for years in Manhattan. Um, and I tell the story a couple of times, but the woman who, uh, one of the women who worked there for a short time as a receptionist, um, she pitched her screenplays to. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, Tom, because oh as they walked in the door, I mean, she, they were the, and I, I was like the, you know, the low person on the totem pole. And I, it, it, it stuck with me so much just thinking to myself, just like, you can't ever do that. Like, that's just not how you, ever, you, you don't <laughs> did approach. She, did she pull it off? Did she ever? I mean, what did, do you think? <laughs> I thought this was like going to be like a cool, happy ending story. Oh God, no. I mean, it, it got, it got a pretty sad at the end but no no but yeah but i always thought about that um interesting okay cool so you said you're working on a slow novel you're kind of dripping it out um and you're screenwriting um well this has been a blast talking to you where are you on social media you do twitter instagram anything like that oh i'm so bad at twitter i'm on there uh but i i'm on instagram that's like all i can handle and i'm like medium good at that but I'm what's your uh what's your handle you what you want people all to follow just, or no? just my name chrissy van meter Chrissy, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks yeah, so no, much. most definitely. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Later. Bye.